So, Godfrey, thank you very much for offering this free class. You're very welcome, Steve. And before before I um, begin the verbal guidance, I'd just like to say a few words for everybody. The first thing is um, it's important not to put any pressure on yourself to do anything in particular, to follow anything in particular, to feel anything in particular. The the verbal guidance that I'm be give, be going to be giving is as invitations for you. Um, and those invitations will be inviting you to feel rather than to do anything. Um, so there's no need to try to control your breathing or do anything particular to or with your breathing. So to begin, I'd just like to invite you to establish a stable, supported, seated posture, which can be in a chair, on a meditation bench, on a cushion, but in whichever case, it's important that your spine is expressing its natural verticality, which means that your armpits be directly above your hip bones so that you're neither leaning forwards nor leaning back. However, it's fine to be supported by a wall or a pillar or the back of your chair if your armpits are directly above your hip bones. And if you're not in a chair on a bench or a cushion, your hip bones should be at least a little higher than your knees and both of your knees should be in contact with the floor. If you're on a chair, it may be that your knees and hips are at about the same height, but it's important that your armpits are directly above your hip bones so that you are neither leaning forward nor back. And resting your hands on your thighs or in your lap with your fingers and thumbs completely relaxed, and with your lips in gentle contact, invite your eyes to softly close while nevertheless allowing your eyes to freely open and close as they need to. And as you settle into a relative stillness, with your eyes softly closed perhaps, and if your eyes are open, looking neither for nor at anything in particular, invite your body to relax as much as possible into its verticality as you feel as continuously and clearly as possible the many sensations being generated by your breathing Invite your breathing to flow as freely as possible. And as you feel the sensations being generated by your breathing as continuously and clearly as possible, invite your mind also 
to relax as much as possible into the rhythmic presence of your breathing, flowing as freely and consciously as possible. As your body relaxes as much as possible into its verticality and your mind relaxes as much as possible into your breathing. Feel as continuously as clearly as possible the many rhythmic sensations being generated in many parts of your body by your breathing. Let go completely of your ability to modify your breathing in any way. Inviting each exhalation to be nothing other than a totally passive release. Invite each inhalation to be nothing other than a totally natural, organic response to your body's need for oxygen. And as you allow your breathing to flow as freely as possible, invite your mind to clearly recognize the presence of any sensation that indicate the presence of any intention to modify your breathing and let go as much as possible, not only of your ability to deliberately modify your breathing, but let go also as much as possible of your subconsciously habituated tendency to push or pull your breathing so that your breathing is flowing as freely, as naturally as possible. Allowing your mind to express its dynamic fluidity freely, without judgment, without concern. Nevertheless, invite your mind, without insisting, invite your mind to become as intimate as possible with your breathing. Flowing as naturally and freely as possible.
so that as much as possible, the activity of your mind is taking place in response to the rhythmic presence of your breathing. And if you feel any sensations that indicate or suggest the habitually unconscious tendency to push or pull your breathing, invite your mind to let go of its ability to modify your breathing into your ability to simply feel its soft, rhythmic presence in many parts of your body. so that as much as possible, each inhalation is taking place as a natural organic response to your body's need for oxygen. And each exhalation is taking place as much as possible as a totally passive release. And as your mind perhaps occasionally wanders away from your breathing, invite your mind to become as intimate as possible with each exhalation. So that it's wandering perhaps takes place during 
your inhalation. As you feel, as continuously and clearly as possible, the changing sensation that reveal the presence of each exhalation taking place as much as possible as a totally passive release. And as you feel as clearly and continuously as possible, the sensations that reveal the presence of each exhalation invite your mind to recognize without judgment the presence of any sensations that indicate or suggest the habitually subconscious tendency to push your exhalations and invite your mind to let go completely of its even subconscious tendency to push your exhalations out. And as you allow each exhalation as much as possible to take place as a totally passive, natural release, invite each exhalation to totally freely fulfill itself. Invite your mind to recognize and let go of any habitually unconscious tendency to extend or deepen your exhalation. As you invite each exhalation to totally freely fulfill itself as a totally passive release.
As you invite each exhalation to totally freely fulfill itself. Become as intimate as possible with each exhalation. Simply by feeling as clearly, as deeply as possible. The changing sensations that reveal its presence. As you feel as deeply, as clearly as possible, the changing sensations that reveal the presence of each passive exhalation. Invite your mind to let go as deeply as possible into the passive release of each exhalation to let go not only of its ability to modify and control but to let go also of its ability to imagine and even to recognize into your deeper ability to feel the release of each exhalation.
as you feel as deeply as possible the release of each exhalation. Invite your mind without insisting. Invite your mind to let go completely of its need to know, of its need to be certain, of its need to be right, into your deeper ability to feel. Allowing each exhalation to remain as passive, as free as possible. And your mind to remain as relaxed, quiet, present as possible. Nevertheless, invite your mind to clearly recognize the rhythmic presence of your breathing in many parts of your body. And as you feel rhythmic sensations, perhaps in your abdomen, your throat, your nostrils, your groins, your lower back, Invite your mind to clearly recognize the rhythmic nature of your breathing. 
its enterings and leavings, openings and closings, risings and fallings. But as you allow your mind to clearly recognize the rhythmic nature of your breathing, allow each exhalation to remain as passive, free and conscious as possible. Feel as continuously, as clearly as possible. The softly changing sensation that reveal the presence of each exhalation taking place as consciously, passively, naturally, freely as possible. And from your awareness, of the rhythmic nature of your breathing. Invite your mind to clearly recognize that this rhythmic presence of your breathing is a rhythmic presence of life being given being received, being exchanged between your organism and its needs and many other organisms and their needs in many parts of the world. So that as you still allow each exhalation to remain as passive and free as possible, the rhythm of your breathing is perhaps reminding you that you are not, that you never have been alone in this world. And from your awareness of your breathing and the generosity that it expresses when you become ready, but without looking for nor at anything in particular, allow your eyes to softly open while nevertheless remaining as intimate as possible with the rhythmic generosity of life expressing itself continuously in and as your breathing.
so that perhaps as your day continues the continuous presence of your breathing may sometimes remind you of how much you are always being given And here ends today's session. That's wonderful. Thank you, Godfrey. You're welcome. Are you still alive? I failed the test. I'm alive. <laughs> I have, of course, a couple of questions. But before I ask them, does, does anything, is there anything that sort of come to your mind to comment on? I, I would say this, that if anybody enjoys doing it and wants to do it more than once, um, after a while, it, it will begin to make sense not really to particularly pay much attention to what I'm saying because it, it's quite simple. And, you know, my words might just help somebody to become intimate with their breathing very quickly, and then my words are not necessarily going to be relevant anymore. Um, so it's totally fine to, to lose contact with my voice. Speaking of the language, and I think you know, those that are listening perhaps notice that the use of language uh, is quite precise. One of the words that you use in relationship to breathing is the term svaramukta. I'm wondering if you could perhaps explain that term svaramukta. Yeah, sure. I mean, what, what I just did was a variation of svaramukta. Svaramukta has these two component parts, svara and mukta, and svara is the Sanskrit word for breathing or breath. And mukta means freedom. So svaramukta is practice is, is a misleading word, but I'm going to call it a practice. It, it's a practice of um, inviting your breathing to become free. Um, when I say practice is a misleading word, because we normally understand that practice is a doing, but there is nothing that you can do to release your breath. The only possibility is that you recognize and can perhaps eventually let go of your especially habitually subconscious tendencies to manipulate your breathing. It's pretty easy to let go of your ability to deliberately modify your breathing, but it's not so easy to let go of those deeply embedded habits of pushing and pulling your breathing, habits that have arisen from experience and, and usually from experience of, of pain um, or anxiety and those um, habits are very very deeply held and they're not released by any effort they're released simply by being felt and freely recognized where freely means without judgment without concern so that's that's what svara mukta uh, is all about allowing your breathing to free itself now some people might say 
well, how, how can that be? And I would just say, well, just try it, you know, and, and see and, and remember that, that life is a remarkable phenomenon. It's so remarkable that it still eludes the analysis of the scientific community. Nobody can quite say, what is it that makes life? They can say what's involved to a certain extent, but it's, it's an amazing phenomenon, life. And um, it's been on this planet for 3,500 million years or so, and all of that time it's been breathing. Only very recently has it been breathing with lungs you know, the last few hundred million years. Um, so most of the time, respiration has been taking place across the cellular membrane, but that's still happening for us. So sometimes people call that internal respiration, external respiration being what's happening in the lungs. But my point here is that life has been breathing for 3,500 million years. That's a lot of research and development. Your body knows how to do it. So releasing the breath means just allowing, inviting the mind to let go, let go completely of its ability to impose itself on your breathing so that the natural intelligence of the body can express itself. And the more the natural intelligence of the body is allowed by the mind to express itself, the more it will move everything towards what I would call wholeness, but you could even call a greater efficiency because life doesn't like waste. Life always goes for the most economical option that's available. So that's how it can release itself without us having to control that process, without us having to know what to do and when to do it. You use those two levels there are those two sets of terms deliberately modify your breathing letting go of the attempt of the mind to deliberately modify your breathing you also talk about the unconscious tendency of the mind to push and pull on the breathing seems like there's a distinction there i'd be curious as to what you see that distinction to be but also i think when a lot of people think of breathing pranayama or something like this the question may arise well don't we control the breath in yoga isn't that sort of point to apply yogic techniques to optimize the breath and therefore optimize the mind-body relationship or regulate the energy or so something like this. Um, is there a place for modifying or controlling the breath in yoga and how do you relate to that dimension of breath practice that's often propagated? Yeah, well... Yeah, it's a, it's a huge can of worms that you're opening there. Um, but I would say um, that in the contemporary, what to call it, it's called culture of yoga, there are many different ideologies and there are many different intentions. Um, as far as I'm concerned or as far as I was concerned when I was a yoga teacher, Free breathing, natural breathing, leave your breath alone was at the heart of it. There was absolutely no attempt to regulate, modify, control, deepen, extend, measure your breathing. Um, and for me, well, that's not quite true. In the beginning, there was. Well, not in the beginning, about halfway through. For a little while, there was, um, because I was a little bit intimidated by tradition. Um, but then 
as I became more intimate with the dynamics of human intelligence and how things actually work and function, I realized that that was not a path that I wanted to go down. Um, I'm not saying, therefore, it's a path that nobody should go down, but I would say that if you're going down a path, it's a really good idea that you know where it leads, and it doesn't necessarily lead where somebody tells you it's leading because they may be telling you it's going there because somebody else has told them it's going there. And they may be saying it's going there because somebody else, again, has told them that it's going there. And none of these people have actually been there to be able to validate it. And I think that's a very common story in the world of yoga and meditation. Anybody and their uncle is teaching them. That doesn't mean that they know what they're doing. Um, in this practice that um, we were just doing this refined, particularized expression of Zavaramukta, it's really important that you're not trying to go around two roads at once. The way of modifying, controlling, to energize, to harmonize, to whatever. And the way of letting go. Um, they are, especially in this case, diametrically opposed to each other. Um, so that's where I stand on it. I, I'm within that, not saying there's no value at all in modifying you're breathing in some way or another. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that any particular modification of the breath will have particular results. And you, you, you need to know that you want those results. And those results are not always everything that they're made out to be. Just to give you one example, I know someone, not very well, but Olivia knows him much better than I do, who through his dedicated practice of traditional pranayama, got to the point where he didn't need very much sleep. But after a while, he realized that it was because he couldn't, that he was overwired. Um, and, you know, when you're young, being overwired, you can handle. As you get older, you find that you've been borrowing from Peter to pay Paul. So I, in my practice and I, in my teaching, even as no longer a yoga teacher, but what I'm teaching, um, Free breathing is very much at the heart of it. And um, I think that could bring us to your, your other prior question about this distinction between deliberate modification of the breath and subconscious habituation of pushing and pulling the breath. To me, it's a very simple distinction. Um, and it has something very powerful in it once you address it. First of all, the Deliberate modification of the breathing, you could say, is an expression of intention. So anybody, almost probably anybody at all in any moment, can take a deep breath or can stop their breath from flowing during the exhalation or the inhalation, can breathe out more deeply. So this is the application of intent. This is deliberately modifying your breathing. Anybody can do it and anybody can choose not to do it. But choosing not to deliberately, intentionally, modify your breathing doesn't mean that your breathing is flowing naturally where naturally would mean in response to the intelligence of your body because we all have such a long habit of modifying our breathing both deliberately and not deliberately in response to shock or pain or anxiety or fear that 
those habits, those tendencies are ingrained in our respiratory muscles and they express themselves even when we want not to interfere with our breathing. And one of the reasons it's, let's say, quite a challenge to let go of that and why therefore it's important to recognize that is that one of the factors that imposes on the intelligence of the body is actually fear of dying. Because everybody knows that if you don't breathe, you die. So that means if, if people experience a pause in their breathing, especially at the end of an exhalation, they can even, if only unconsciously, panic about that and subconsciously pull the inhalation in. But all of this is happening on a subconscious level. So if you invite somebody to feel any sensations that indicate or suggest the habitually subconscious tendency to push or pull your breathing, you're inviting the, the barrier between the conscious and the subconscious mind to move backwards. And for what's usually unconscious to become conscious and in the light of conscious awareness, things change and they actually change towards wholeness. They change for the better. And ironically, perhaps because of what we're talking about, pretty much everybody who's in any way familiar with their body and its relationship to their mind knows that if you just feel your breathing, it changes. You don't have to tell it how to change. If your breathing is shallow, and tight and you start to feel it it relaxes and softens if your breathing is pumping and harsh and you just feel it it starts to calm down if your breathing is inhibited and you're not allowing yourself to breathe because you're anxious it relaxes and you breathe more freely but you don't have to tell your breathing to do this this is happening you could say in the relationship between the light of awareness and the intelligence of the body. This term, reveal the presence of. Now often, when one hears instruction about breath, the term is something like feel your breathing. What's the significance of or using the phrase feeling the sensations that reveal the presence of your breathing? What's, it, what's the significance of language in the instruction in that way? Well, first of all, that's something that was said more towards the end than the beginning. So you could say there's a layering of the vocabulary. Um, the key issue is to feel the sensations, but after a while people get the point, you know, so you don't have to keep saying, feel the sensations um, in, in that kind of practical, concrete, simple way. Um, but when, when I use that phrase, feel the sensations that reveal the presence of the breath, I'm actually saying a, lo a lot of things and I'm saying most of them to the subconscious mind of the listener, not to their conscious mind. Um, and more than that, we don't have time to say right now. All right. Well, thank you very much, Godfrey. That was a fascinating exploration of that particular exercise. And I understand you have actually beginning not too long from now an online course called uh, Breath of Invulnerability. Yes. 
that's beginning with yourself and your co-teacher, Olivia. Um, do you want to say anything about that course? Of course, it'll be linked in the show notes below. Well, that course is teaching a, a, um, a progressive practice. A progressive practice means it's a number of techniques pre- practiced progressively together, including that one that we've just done. Um, and it's the practice as a whole has the more general um, purpose of inviting people to get in touch with their spiritual invulnerability. So, Godfrey Devereaux, thank you very much. Steve, you're very welcome. Thank you for listening to another Guru Viking podcast. For more interviews like these, as well as articles, videos, and guided meditations, visit www.guruviking.com.